0: I'll tell you why the topic occurred to me. It's because I've put uh, two reviews out recently in, in quick succession. I put out The Last of Us 2 and I put out Persona 4.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in The Last of Us 2, I said some things people found controversial and that provoked quite a bit of debate. And then Persona 4, I said that I liked Persona 4 better than Persona 5 and if anything, that provoked even more debate. <laughs> And that made me think that when you bring up Japanese games, there's clearly an undercurrent on the internet that will leap out the moment you do so. There's a lot of people with a strong attachment to anime and the Japanese games and have a lot to argue about. Sure. It's a fan base, if you will.
1: And anime fans are are pretty uh, adamant about their love of their art form. Absolutely.
0: Yes, but we couldn't argue... uh, Persona 4 versus Persona 5 because you don't play those games. Correct. So I thought it might be interesting to see how people would react to the broader topic of anime and by attachment Japanese video games mm-hmm. versus the West.
1: Well and you know there is there is a, a clear difference between a a, a Japanese developed game and a Western developed game. For some reason we're, we are not allowed the the freedom that Japanese developers are for some reason.
0: It's strange. They've got a whole culture of game development over there. A a culture that Western industry could benefit from by looking at. They have reverence for their history of the games they make. Absolutely. I suppose that's inevitable from Nintendo making the same games every bloody year. (laughs)
1: well and i think we're getting we're getting to a place now here in america at least where we have a ton of smaller developers who are you know doing these weirdo game jams where they'll just make like a five minute long experimental game and put it up on itch.io and we're getting to that realm just now i think what's
0: more important is the preservation of history of games which the west just doesn't do at all It's just every few consoles just kill all the backwards compatibility and just forget we made anything. (laughs) And everything has to get rediscovered. But The Japanese industry tends to be still developing ideas they've had for decades. Sure, sure. There's also a much better culture of artistry within the mainstream industry in Japan, because as I said during the non-serious discussion, they still emphasize having one director or auteur in charge of the games. Yes. Whereas the West is completely admired in rote algorithm created, designed by committee swill.
1: <laughs> and I, I think that it it shows like to some sometimes its benefit and sometimes its detriment. How important having a a captain to your ship is. Yeah.
0: As I said, it is true that the Jap- Japan does make a lot of games, a lot of which do not get exported <laughs> because it's only the good stuff that the
1: other countries might like that gets mm-hmm. exported. Yeah, absolutely. I I remember I remember what you know back in the day, PlayStation Two. My first uh, experience with like the weirdness of Japan game was Katamari Damacy. That's a weird game. That's a weird game, and I loved every single second of it. It's the kind of Japanese weird that can be translated to the West
0: because <laughs> it's <laughs> the quirkiness makes it interesting, right? I and mean, you can uh, some of Suda Five ones games as well, like. Uh,
1: Oh, your killer seven.
0: Yeah, the killer seven. But there's a lot of Japanese culture that just doesn't come across
1: well. Well, it it's we ha- it's tough to understand just how different we are culturally from Japan. You know, like they're there and you know, you kind of you you're kind of swimming in the middle, you know, uh, being you know, growing up in the uh in Britain where we're like we, we're very open and free outwardly, but also very uh, rep- repressed in Japan. And I know many of the UK, you joke constantly about how you're very repressed and shut in and how that's a cultural signifier.
0: Yes, that's true. I think it seems to be something common to island nations. Mm-hmm. There tends to be a greater sense of uh, being closed in with ourselves and ha- having a sort of greater sense of national pride because of that. Mm, but sure, having a more distinct culture that... Other cultures don't really get. I mean, there's a certain reputation British comedy has. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard a lot of Americans say they love British comedy, and what I usually think is, no, you've seen the you've seen the really good stuff. <laughs> you haven't seen the really weird British comedy. <laughs> I mean, I would suggest anyone interested in the topic look up such things as uh, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, or uh, Harry Hill. Or well, uh, the League of Gentlemen, possibly some of the slightly weirder, darker, more dataist stuff. <laughs> we tend to be a, a weird bunch. Sure, sure, and also kind of do the weird porn thing as well. There was a period <laughs> during the seventies when British, the Finnish film industry, was producing a lot of softcore porn, which was a sort, of, which were all sort of weird, sort of knockabout carry-on style comedy softcore porns. Okay, that also had tits
1: and sex in them oh sure sure like I, we've come across several of those looking through old movies over on best of the worst well i'll bet you have most famously stuff
0: like confessions of a window cleaner sure.
1: <laughs> yeah or it's, or it's like you know campy comedies where it's like a, a, a race of hot alien babes come to come to earth and and immediately want to have sex yeah. yes 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 so
0: yeah japan takes the weird sex stuff sort of way beyond where we take it though
1: I like I like the thought of just like the the island nations because yeah there is there is some common ground between England and Japan
0: yeah I wonder what would have happened if uh, the Western games collapse had never happened
1: if the if the Atari collapse never happened yeah
0: because uh, if that obviously there were a lot of things a lot of little contributing factors leading up to it mm-hmm. but it's because of that that Nintendo got a foothold in the West absolutely it's because of that that japan became like the world's biggest video game producing nation
1: sure well that's that's such a weird question though just because you would have to assume that somehow american quality would have gotten better right yeah and that (laughs) wasn't happening (laughs) no because because no one here was taking game development seriously uh, as, as what I think was the the huge problem, whereas I mean, you know, specifically Miyamoto over with N- uh, Cookie is just making all sorts of noise and I'm doing my best to take everything away from her. Yeah, I was hearing something. But I, I think that's our, our big uh, that's the big divide is they were taking video games seriously in the late 70s, early 80s, whereas we didn't pick up until the 90s.
0: There's like the stigma against the otaku culture in Japan, okay, and, and uh, stigma against like shut-ins, that sort of thing. But there's, but they never seem to have like tried to actively stop the creation of the weird auteur stuff.
1: <laughs> no, if anything, they rewarded. Yeah. <laughs> well, so and- even though
0: even though Japan openly like, is a fairly like sexually repressed culture mm. to the point that the birth rate is like really really bad over there. Sure. And yet can also have... It, that seems really incongruous from an outside perspective when we look at the massive porn industry they have. Right? I mean, I guess, I guess it makes sense that if you got too much porn, you're probably wanking too much to have sex.
1: <laughs> well, no, it, but it, it makes sense in reverse, because if they're repressed enough not to want to actually engage with someone else, uh, porn doesn't require you to engage with another human. True. But <laughs>
0: if this was like America... You know, if you're sexually repressed by like conservative religious
1: upbringing, you tend to want to stop porn mm. and make it not happen. Right. Yeah. But usually those people come out as big sex weirdos anyway in the end. So. Well, that's
0: what happens when you repress it, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Japan just lets
0: it all out. All, all the weird stuff together on the <laughs> shelf for everyone to see.
1: Lets it all out and puts it in vending machines on the street. Yeah. and I guess they just, you know, they just get over it. <laughs> okay this is taking a this is taking
0: a weird turn i should stress i literally know very little about japan besides what can be
1: picked up from playing their video games a lot right so bet you know japan through the eyes of uh of kojima yeah i've never been there which is a terrible way to learn things. but well i suppose what uh, what if this was a positive this was some notes that i had made i never came up during the episode but i th- i think a positive element of this is learning about their culture through video games. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we are exposed to little bits of Japanese culture and being exposed to little bits of their culture throughout the years has given us a great deal of cultural empathy.
0: There are a lot of Japanese video games that recreate everyday Japanese life. Mm-hmm. Shenmue was my example. <laughs> it was. It's weird how much mundane stuff they put in Japanese sandbox games Mm -hmm. and like the Yakuza games as well. Yeah. There's an exciting crime story, but there's also, you can just run around a Japanese shopping district, eating at (laughs) Japanese restaurants, buying little (laughs) capsule toys, right. Going to the batting cages (laughs) and the persona games as well. Do that sort of thing to a certain extent.
1: Well, and I, I think that has done, uh, that has done a lot for us, you know, Again, for better or for worse, because we have some people here in America who are, you know, obsessed with Japanese culture. But it also does a good deal to give us empathy towards someone who is so foreign to us. It's it's funny.
0: It's like they make their games. They make games to sort of not so much to create an exciting gameplay loop as just to create a feel. Sure. Ooh, I like that. I mean, if you look at, like, American sandbox games, they're all very (laughs) system-based. You do... Yes. You you learn the combat, you do the thing, you uh, do the combat to level up your character and progress, Mm -hmm. etc.
1: Yep, and then they place everything in a nice grid. Oh, here's the bandit camp here, here's the bandit camp here, here's the bandit camp here. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it all feels very... all following from the same flowchart. Mm-hmm. And then you look at a game like Shenmue and Yakuza which almost feel like everything just splattered out.
1: <laughs> well, isn't that isn't that a more natural way? It's
0: uh, yeah, it seems like they're really way ahead of the West when it comes to progressing the concept of what a video game is.
1: Yes. I
0: like I like that in Japan at least there still seems to be a sense of genre. It's not just everything produced by the industry is a stealth action adventure sandbox with crafting. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that there's still niche niches where they make they just make fighting games. Yes. And uh, uh, there's a niche for life sims and visual novels and farming simulators and and it's all treated more or less equally.
1: Ooh, that's I think that's the the solid point to come away from here is it's all treated equally whereas because of American capitalistic culture the the big boys, the triple A's, only respond well to the things that sell well. Yeah, I mean, look at Nintendo,
0: who's like the biggest in Japan, mm-hmm. and everything they do is still really experimental. That's true. They have they do like re, reuse the same ideas a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times can you rescue one princess? <laughs> but they're still exploring the fundamentals of the game mechanics with each one. It's they're not just hacking out more Assassin's Creeds every bloody year
1: oh sure well and even even in things like their hardware like uh i've i've been uh toying around with their their new their ring fit adventure hmm. where they're just trying they they keep poking at the edges and keep expanding the the video game circle yeah you know of course a lot of that just came from we fit but they 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 keep trying new and new things the the switch in in and of itself what a what a strange device to come out with and yet it works so
0: well it i love
1: it and yet it wasn't
0: completely out of nowhere because you can see all the lessons of Nintendo's previous consoles that led up to it mhm it's sort of an amalgam of the lessons of the 3DS
1: and the Wii and the Wii U and and their competitors you know it's the lessons of the of the PS Vita and PlayStation Portable as well mhm it it feels like like kind of that goes back to one of your earlier points about having a reverence for their history, not just a company's history, but also the history of the genre. And that's why Japanese
0: supermen are our superiors. I don't
1: know <laughs> what. I don't know. I'm getting tired. <laughs> well, no, like uh, you know, if if we're going to, if we're, um, I go- wonder what... I want to avoid
0: falling into the trap of sort of like fetishizing another culture. Mm, sure, saying that they do it better. I think a lot of Japanese games that get exported, they feel more interesting just from the from having been created by a foreign culture.
1: Ooh, sure. That's why I,
0: I like I like a lot of Japanese horror games, and I think part of the reason why they were the horror works so well is because there's an added dose of surreality from the fact that it comes from another culture. Ooh, sure. I've always thought that about Silent Hill too. Mm-hmm. When it was done by the West, it just didn't feel the same because there's a there's an otherness to it when it comes from a foreign culture. Sure, sure. There's a slight there's an awkwardness. It feels a little out of sync,
1: <laughs> and that, in, especially in a horror game, that just adds to the horror element. And it's not something they consciously did. It's just just
0: because they're from a different culture, that
1: thinks mm-hmm. differently to us. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose, yeah, we we have been, we've been leaning hard on the Japanese game size, but let's switch over to, to the Western side of things. Okay.
0: Assassin's Creed 90 times.
1: Oh, Christ. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, let's talk about the positive aspects. You know, thing things like id software, hmm. you know, cr- doing so much to create a new genre and uh, obviously the... What is the actual first first first-person shooter is a hotly debated topic, but everyone can agree that the Wolfenstein and Doom games popularized the genre. Oh,
0: yeah. Literally set the ball rolling. Absolutely. And as I said, Western games do tend to be more systemic. And when you take systemic to its limits, you get stuff like Doom 2016. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of exciting stuff that... You can really only get by sort of stripping things down to its systems Mm. Mm -hmm. and i think japanese games find it harder to do
1: that well you know you say that but then if you look at if you look at the meta game of something like breath of the wild where when you're not playing the game as intended and you're just farting around you know riding logs that you Shoot off into the distance and doing your weird cooking mini games. All the tiny little systems in Breath of the Wild add to the whole. Is it me, or do Japanese games tend to reflect
0: a greater tolerance for a slower pace in the game? Hmm. Ooh. They tend to like like uh, the prolonged dialogue sections in the RPGs, and the long tutorial dialogues <laughs> that take ages to, <laughs> for the text to scroll out. And then you look at like something action focused like, say, the Earth Defense Force games in Japan, mm. and they always seem to be interrupting the action with like prolonged messing around with menus in between missions. <laughs> Whereas I think Western games tend to have a better sense of, like you do in 2016, like creating a
1: sense of constant primary loop moment to moment pace. Sure, sure. That that could be a cultural difference or that, you know, that might just be basis by basis. Uh, It could be because there are also so many games that come out of the West. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Skyrim or really any of the uh, Elder Scrolls games in contrast. That's just talking, just so much talking.
0: But when you're done talking in Mass Effect, you can have a jolly good
1: shootout. (laughs) True, that's true. I I think that might be horse apiece uh, and I might be a little bit biased um, or I'm trying to overcompensate for my biases just because I just got done playing Death Stranding, which, of course, has so <laughs> yeah, much a,
0: that is a very, That is a very slow-paced game. I, mm. I feel like whenever I play a lot of Japanese games, they always have to like prolong the moment up to leading into the action sequence as much as they can. The, the concept of delayed gratification, perhaps. Possibly. But it's when you're like... If you're playing like a Yakuza game or something mm-hmm. and you're in the room and at some point at the end of the current dialogue scene you have to have a, a boss fight with the dude who's in the room. you <laughs> like you have the two the two people have to be talking for like half an hour before it escalates to that. <laughs> so you don't realize that I am actually the more powerful of us two. No. <laughs> and just yeah, and just that and the music like really slowly escalating. <laughs> and then they do. Then they make one last really like impassioned speech, and then there's a quick zoom into someone's face, and you go into a fight.
1: Right, and you go into a Pokemon style fight where it's it doesn't even take place in that room. It takes place in a void, and you go through the uh, the Excel spreadsheet menu. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a cultural thing or not. It's possible. It's uh, I mean, listen, anything's possible. I think you know you and I can both agree we don't know enough to make these speculations. <laughs>
0: I guess I get the sense that the Japanese national character tends to favour a more sort of subdued attitude. Mm. Now, the old classic image of the the noble samurai who uh, kept their emotions in check.
1: <laughs> and so, is it a is it a? Are you saying it's a big deal to them to dialogue? And so that's like more important to them.
0: Well, as I say, I'm speaking from a position of ignorance. This, this is the impression I get. Sure. Like the you really need to push at them for a while before they'll snap. <laughs> the characters in these games, but they, they, they there is it is very clear that they tend to favour the um the phlegmatic hero. The I'm the what the I forget. I'm dealing with people with small American
1: vocabularies. A phlegmatic. Phlegmatic. You know, not given to showing emotion. Ooh, I know. I love this word. I, I this is you know this is a secondary reason why I love uh, the podcast is I just get to learn so many new words. Well, if you're interested,
0: phlegmatic derives from the old theory of the four humors, mm. When medical practitioners said the body consisted of a balance of the four humors that were phlegm, blood, pus, and something else, mm-hmm. ear wax, possibly, <laughs> but not that. <laughs> The idea was that phlegm was cold, so being phlegmatic was when you were emotionally cold, when you kept it it, uh, bottled in. I love it, but we digress.
1: Well, it's 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 funny to me just because you know, like if if I think about you know American culture and you know something that used to be um, well reserved in our own culture was the silent stoic cowboy, looking at Clint Eastwood, or you know the the action hero who. Who's walled off, except for his witty one-liners when he's murdering someone? I think in the um, West,
0: um, they tend to favor a sense of well, as you say, action hero—someone who, <laughs> someone who acts. Yes. Someone like the someone who swings on a rope and with a maiden on one arm <laughs> and shoots the baddies. Yes. Without a second thought, you're Indiana Jonesy type. Whereas the Japanese hero in your traditional Japanese movies and art and that sort of thing, always, they tend to favor the more restrained person. Mm. And which I think might be reflected in what we're talking about. the How the Japanese games tend to have a slower pace and more conversation. Whereas the West games tend to dump you right in the action.
1: Ooh, I, we're we're hitting it. We're hitting all the points here, Yats. Yeah,
0: as usual, just keep talking and eventually something <laughs> vaguely intelligent might come out
1: <laughs> really that's the thing just keep talking and so what has uh, like i i it, the the small amount of research i did for this episode was kind of trying to find the firsts of, yeah. of everything and so you know i actually found some really fascinating videos on what's considered to be the first stealth games
0: i would never heard of that game you brought up as the first open world game
1: gunfight aka western gun
0: yeah i'd never heard of that tell me about that
1: <laughs> i would love to let me pull up the page here for uh well and and that, again it's very contentious because the question is what counts as an open world game some people point to a game an arcade game called jet rocket which was Arguably, the first flight simulator, the first open world game and the first first person shooter um, developed in the uh, developed in the late 60s coming out in the 70s.
0: Right. But we don't uh, remember that sort of thing because <laughs> uh, they, they didn't they, don't, they aren't usually remembered as the first such and such because they didn't really typify anything the way Wolfenstein 3D did.
1: Exactly. And so and and I think especially because it's a flight simulator game that we have a different idea about open worlds. But Gunfight is considered to be the first on foot open world game. <laughs> if that uh means anything to you. Uh it's also the first multi directional shooter. So it was a, like a twin stick shooter.
0: Right. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now. Yeah. Um, fight known as Western Gun, a fixed screen shooter where two players compete in an old west gunfight. Mm-hmm. Okay, how
1: was this open world then? Uh, let's see here. Western Gun was the first open world video game and the first action adventure. The two gun, the two cowboy gun had free roaming movement across a single screen open world environment. Okay. That's kind oh, of a yeah, bullshit. That doesn't really count. That's a pretty
0: bullshit interpretation of open that's world, isn't it?
1: <laughs> that's a uh, an incredibly bullshit interpretation of open world. Yeah. <laughs> well, then we can go to something like. Let's see here. What's next on the list? Ooh. Legend of Zelda. Everyone knows in '86.
0: Did you know Oregon Trail has, was one of the first open world games? Because you could go on a screen with some deer on and shoot them. Get and out. And they could run down. away in all four directions.
1: All right. So then the next on the list is 1984's Heidel D. How do you spelling that? H Y D L I D E. Heidelide. Okay. Heidelide. Heidelide. Uh, first. Fully scaled open world RPG. Let's see what we got here. came out. Uh, it says it, it was released in
0: 1985 for the MSX. Oh, well, okay. it, well, it came out. Well, the MSX is the one people might know. Mm-hmm. Its first release was on something called the PC6001 in 1984.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's a Commodore, yeah. And of course, like like you said, no one remembers it. So, yeah. like, does it even
0: count? No, I guess it wouldn't, because uh, you know, culture is our memories of our history,
1: right? And so then, then it's uh, it's the Legend of Zelda. That's the first open world game. And when did that come out? Eighty six.
0: Well, that was after Elite, wasn't it?
1: What's Elite?
0: You know, Elite on the Spectrum, the first open world space exploration
1: game. <laughs> Well, okay, I, I, see, the, so this is where we get into a bunch of semantics where it's like open, open world space. No, I don't know. Open, I don't know. Elite. Well,
0: elite, you could literally go anywhere in space and do anything you wanted. You could trade. You could shoot pirates. You could explore the, the universe. There were actually things to do, mm. which is the difference between that and the open world of a blank screen with two
1: cowboys on it. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm watching, I'm watching a video now of Elite... Uh oh, oh! Yuck! That. <laughs> well, it was the spectrum. What do you want? <laughs> that looks pretty darn gross. And who was Elite developed by?
0: David Braben. Mmm. Was uh, the person I mentioned and possibly said their
1: name wrong during the initial debate? Oh, sure, David Braben. Oh, is he British? Is this why you know this? <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, he is. But, you know,
0: you can uh, dwell all you like on who came first and it doesn't really matter in the long run.
1: Yeah, that's 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 really true. And I, I think if you look at games like this, one of one of the most fascinating things that I came across was the the game Double uh, O Five. OK, I don't know if you've ever heard of this.
0: It uh, doesn't ring a bell. Is it referencing James Bond at all?
1: It is. It's a it's a little arcade game where you play as a thief and you need to hide from people in a warehouse. And it it's actually it actually shows like where the guards are looking. There's a little like cone for their vision, and you have to go around their cone of vision, beating I see. beating out yeah. Metal Gear for the first stealth game. But then you can go even deeper. Well, this
0: gets the argument of what exactly is a stealth game, is not it?
1: Exactly. Oh. Yeah. oh, of course. Of course.
0: I mean, I, I would argue that by certain interpretations, Pac-Man is a stealth game.
1: Uh, the Oh, so the Pac-Man does not count as a stealth game because the ghosts always know where you are, even when something's blocking their vision. Oh, fine. But uh, a game like 005, if, if you're not in the guard's vision, they don't see you. Uh, but there's actually a game that predates that, 1979 for the Commodore 64, Shoplifting Boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it?
1: And and it's I, I found I found this absolute fantastic video. Uh, let me make sure I say this uh, by uh, a YouTube channel called Stealth Docs, Stealth D O C S, uh, has a video called the first stealth game, all about. Shoplifting boy, and I really recommend you take a look at this uh, anyone who's listening. I'm really? immediately
0: intrigued just by the name of that
1: game <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was a There was a time when you could just make video games out of being a shoplifting boy in a shop
1: of course well, and you know remember this is for the Commodore, and so like in order for someone to play this game, uh, the code, the source code of the game was published in a magazine, and people had to type in the code.
0: Oh. oh, I remember the days of getting, having to type in code from magazines on my old Commodore 64.
1: <laughs> right, so they'd have to type in the code, save it to one of their disks, and that's how this game was shared. Uh, and that that person later went on to develop more games. This was but- this was the thing about the Commodore
0: 64, since anyone could like create code for games in it some people made like boring standard shooters and stuff from like pac-man rip-offs. but a lot of people were just making games where you're a shoplifter or you're a dude mowing his lawn on a nice sunny day
1: <laughs> exactly wait till you see wait till you see i speak both to yahtzee and of course the people listening wait till you see the gameplay footage the graphics of shoplifting boy it's amazing what they were able to create with such a limited amount of of Icons on the screen. It's beautiful, beautiful game.
0: I'm definitely gonna to have to check it out. What was that video you mentioned?
1: Uh, the YouTube channel is called Stealth Docs, and the name of the video is "The First Stealth Game Stealth Game History."
0: Yeah, I said I for a shoplifting boy game. There's a couple of like really lowly viewed f- gameplay footage videos, ah. and then there's like a video of someone stealing a PS4 from a GameStop. <laughs>
1: Ah, YouTube, the great equalizer. <laughs> mm. But you know, like that's that's where, like, w- without trying to get into fetishistic side of things, like Japan has done so much in the w- realm of innovation, things that we take for granted now, like like looking back at original Pac Man and the the very rudimentary ai that they gave the ghosts it's just simple enough where you know one ghost is trying to follow pac-man one ghost is trying to get two spaces in front of pac-man one ghost is trying to get three spaces behind him right like very yeah very simple stuff in many
0: ways japan sort of took the ball and ran with it they didn't (laughs) probably didn't invent video games but uh they had the culture to really develop it in interesting ways and still Uh do
1: absolutely and Whereas in
0: the west they just focused on what was making money <laughs> and that's yeah, how you get stuff like the the et the title is crash oh man <laughs> which allowed nintendo to basically take over right and If nintendo hadn't taken over and uh, the entire generation of our children hadn't been raised by japanese video games would there have been an anime boom in the 90s Ooh. would there have been s- still people to this day arguing over who the best waifu is
1: <laughs> oh no! You're you're not selling me on that. This is a good thing.
0: <laughs> well, who doesn't like a nice waifu now and then?
1: You know, I, I if if we could just stop calling them waifus for some that that never sat well with me.
0: Oh, you know, people sort of take comfort from the image, I suppose.
1: I guess, I guess that's it. But yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot that we as video gamers and the grander we as people who are making modern video games owe to the past. And a lot of that past just comes from Japan.
0: Yes. And Japan generally tends to favor the more interesting experimental business practices. And we should all do that.
1: I guess if we could sum this all up is, hey, American game developers, make weirder games. Yes, please. And,
0: you know, from the... AAA sector, not just the, not just the weird indie people making indie games. Right, right. Uh, surely, an ideal system would be rather than throwing ten billion dollars into your ten pole sandbox stealth action adventure games of crafting. Mm. Maybe just put five billion dollars into a slightly shorter one, and blow the rest on a few risky projects that your weirdo developers would like to try out. Ooh. Wouldn't that be neat? Wouldn't that be neat? Wouldn't Wouldn't that be neat? (laughs) Wouldn't if a couple of big Western publishers took the ball on that and sort of de-emphasized, you know, making all the money that could be possibly made at any one time.
1: Yeah. And sort of maybe see what sort of weird, interesting things might come out of that. You know, we've seen this in other industries where you, you ha you still like uh, the the problem the problem with modern Western triple A's is they have their tentpole games, but that tentpole isn't holding up anything else.
0: No. Like they have they have nothing but tent poles.
1: They have nothing but tentpole. and the, It's just it's, a
0: sea of tent poles as far as the eye can see. It's like it's like going up on the hill where Jesus was crucified <laughs> and just seeing all those corpses on sticks <laughs> going off into the distance
1: right and it's called a tentpole because it's supposed to hold up the other shit <laughs> hold yeah. up your weird sh-
0: experimental yeah. shit so if it, it's not a tentpole if it's not holding stuff up it's just a crucifix <laughs> stop making crucifixes western stop. games industry
1: <laughs> you did it yeah it's
0: there we go i think that's a, that's that's a good end point
1: you put a nice little bow on that. That's great. Um, hey, everyone, thanks for listening to this very, very strange uh, uh, conversation. Uh, if you missed our episode, uh, this episode was on whether or not Japanese games are better than Western ones. You can see that right now over at EscapistMagazine.com. Yes, we discussed it
0: in a very not racist way.
1: And it was just f- fully not racist. Uh, Make sure to, uh, you know, become a a member. Escapist Plus members get uh, to watch our stuff ad-free and to ask the creators questions. YouTube subscribers get to watch our content a week early on YouTube. Also ad-free and you get special little emotes when we live stream. You can follow us on Twitter. My name, I'm at Harlack. And I'm at Crowshaw. Boom, baby. Um i also write
0: books buy all of them
1: (gasps) that's true they're they're fantastic books thank you for saying and if you don't like if you don't like reading books with your eyeballs try reading them with your ears where you can listen to yahtzee read his books to you over on audible
0: yes with this voice with this sexy voice
1: oh no all right
0: bye with that image i leave you
1: (laughs) bye everyone